Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. Think back to when you were 13. What were you like? Did you feel confident, secure, and happy all the time? Like most people, that answer is probably no, at least not all the time. Human trafficking is a $150 billion worldwide industry, affecting both males and females of many different ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, in both urban and rural communities. The average age for a young woman or man to be brought into trafficking is, you guessed it, 13. So what is being done about this huge but largely underground issue? Dana World Patterson is chairperson for the Human Trafficking Task Force of Greater Milwaukee and founder of Foundations for Freedom, an organization that exists to strengthen women and girls, reduce vulnerabilities, and eradicate human trafficking through education, awareness, advocacy, and prevention. We sat down with Dana and her colleague, survivor leader Laura Johnson, to talk about the issue of human trafficking, what is being done, and Laura's personal background with the issue. So Dana World Patterson and Laura Johnson, welcome. Thank you for sitting down with us today. Kind of tell me about the Human Trafficking Task Force of Greater Milwaukee. Uh, what are some of the goals? What do you do? Thank you for having us. First and foremost, it is very important that we continue to share the plight of human trafficking and how it is, how it has debilitated our communities, the need for more people to know because it does affect everyone. Um, J.B. Van Hollen said that it is happening in all 72 counties of Wisconsin. Milwaukee is considered the Harvard of pimp school. Wisconsin, the hub of human trafficking. And although we're not proud of that, we're thankful for the Human Trafficking Task Force of Greater Milwaukee. And we meet on a regular basis. The task force is designed to be the community response to eradicating human trafficking, and we do that through coordinated services, education and awareness, and policy and legislation. I'm proud to say, as the chair, that we have about 40-plus people that come every month wanting to learn and rub elbows and really get the truth about what's happening in our community and communities actually, and how we can better, how we can have a safe place for survivors, how we can have us, even the conversation around the, the perpetrators, the demand that wh who uh, we call Johns as well as traffickers. So we're, pardon me, we're happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit more about the issue of human trafficking? What does that mean? Who does it affect? What does the issue look like today? It's an underground system. Human trafficking is considered modern day slavery. I've been learning a lot about slavery just so that I can have a better sense of the nuances of what has taken place in our, in our history. So modern day slavery, you're there be, not because you want to be there. And that was part of what was necessary. And still today in the beginning of the conversation as Martha Love and I were beating the drum saying not in our community, in our community and not in yours. We were saying that this is happening and debilitating 
not only those in the inner city. When we came to this conversation, it was an inner city black girl, no father, probably drinking flour and eating flour and water. That was the, the narrative, that it, this is an inner city problem. And we're saying that can't be because worldwide, it's at eight years ago, it was $32 billion, that this was a $32 billion industry. Eight years later, we're, we have come to the knowledge of $150 billion. That's a lot of money. So it has to, it, this is far greater than your inner city black girl with no father. Poverty. You know, I would go from, I would go and listen to different presentations and I, it was, had become very irritating to hear the same statistics. Poverty, no father, blah, blah, blah. If that is all that we're looking for, we're going to miss the individuals who are in five-bedroom homes, who live in suburbs, those in rural areas. We have to be mindful that this is happening all across the state, the, the United States, and the world. Why? This sense of vulnerability. And so how does that vulnerability lead to human trafficking? In many different ways. Traffickers look for the young. 13 is the average age that girls domestically are trafficked. Last, a couple of weeks ago, I met a high schooler who shared for the first time that her mother presented her to the, her neighbor, their neighbor at nine. She said, my mother dressed me up, took me in the basement, and my neighbor came over. And that was my introduction. She said, I've never told anyone. She said, I think I'm going to tell my father tonight. I just hope he doesn't do anything stupid. That was her conversation to us. And I, wanted, I held her. I said, I, I can go with you. She said, no. I believe, but I believe I'm going to tell him tonight. So exposure and giving people an opportunity is important. 13, from presentation to presentation, if we remember being 13 and what vulnerability meant to us at 13, many of us didn't like our moms. You know, we were having trouble in the home. Some of us wanted to kill ourselves. You know, just that being a child, yet the, the stretch of becoming an adult and what happens during that time. Well, depending upon the level of severity and when the trafficker meets you or if you're being groomed. I was speaking with a high schooler and she said, Dana, my friend is asking me to call him daddy. Well, knowing her story, I know that she's full of vulnerability. And she, she talks about it a lot. Well, there are groomers in the schools that they don't look like the shiny hat, red, yellow, green, bright green hat with the matching suit, vest, and shoes anymore. They show up looking like someone you can trust, a boyfriend. And um, the game has really changed. So I said, honey, that's pimp talk. Why would your friend want you to call him daddy? You know, it, it that's crossing the line. And I said, I want you to tell all of your friends to put a, a red X on him because he's marked. He's looking for someone that 
is vulnerable enough to cross the line and you don't know what, ha what will come next. So it, it shows up in many different ways. Laura, I'd lo we'd love to hear from you a little bit. Um, so Dana introduced you to me as a survivor leader. Um, so can you explain a little bit what that means? Um, for me, that means um, going out, empowering other women, um, telling my story, because it's important for me to tell my story so that way everyone knows that this happens. Um, because if you put a face on it, it's much easier to believe. Um, and as a survivor leader in Milwaukee, um, I've been to a lot of different places speaking, and I've been effective in their lives. And being with Dana and Martha and being a part of the Human Sex Trafficking Task Force um, has been awesome. Um, that's like my niche. That's my safety, my safe place. When you need a safe place, I know my safe place. My safe place is always with Dana and Martha. Um, no matter what's going on or, um, or where, how I'm at, where I'm at or what I'm feeling, I know that um, that's my niche. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So how did you come to be a part of the Human Trafficking Task Force? Um, I first, when I, got out of, um, when, I, when I got out of trafficking, I was 17 years old, and there was no resources here in Milwaukee, none. I didn't trust nobody, especially, um, I didn't trust nobody. Um, everybody that I told it told what had happened to me, it made it seem like it wasn't a big deal, oh, you will get over it. Um, but how can you get over it when you have nightmares and you scared all the time? Like, I was out literally at 17 years old, a foster kid who had aged out of the system, um, who had a parent who was on drugs, who had siblings that I barely knew, um, had a baby that got sent back to Milwaukee um, while being trafficked. Like, how do you get over that? You don't get over that. Only time heals that. That's it. You never get over it. And so there was no resources here. And after getting out of trafficking, um, I was doing Survivor. I was surviving. <laughs> I was basically surviving. So I became a survivor on the streets. How do I do that? How do I survive on the streets and these bunch of killers out here, <laughs> people out here selling drugs, people out here doing drugs? Like, how do I survive? And I remember telling myself when I was a little girl, when I first got put in foster care, and I told myself, I said, I would never be like my mother. I'd never be like her. I don't never want to be like her. Um, and I ended up just like my mother, doing the same thing that she had done, um, on drugs, homeless, trying to survive, nowhere to go, no resources. What do you do? You, you blend in with, within a six-block radius. All I knew was a six-block radius. I'll, I'll wake up from off somebody's couch in the hood, stand on the corner, make some money, buy food to eat, buy drugs to do with the person house, who house I had to go stay at. I did that, the same thing. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. I didn't have any job skills. 
I was taken out of school, basically. When you were a kid. I was a kid. Right. I was, you know, I was 17 years old. What do I do? So eventually I found my way um, at 24, from 17 to 24, on drugs, strung out, doing the same thing for all those years. Didn't know anything else. Only knew Boo Boo name and Kathy name and Sarah's name from the hood. I had, I didn't know anything else. That's all I knew. But then when I got presented with the opportunity from another using addict, while in the car with her, trying to, she's like, no, I'm dropping you off at treatment. That's how it all started. That's how I got introduced to know that there is a place where I can go and get help. I got introduced by being in a car with a girl in a John, using drugs while driving 100 miles down North Avenue, and she said, well, I'm taking you in because you're pregnant, and she dropped me off at the door. She said, knock on the door. And I remember knocking on that door, and I told her people, I don't want to be here. But I was introduced. It was, that, that, it was that little seed that she had planted to know that I can go back there when I'm ready. See, now I had found the place. And so when I, when I was ready, I went, I went back, knocked on that door, and I stayed. They, they welcomed me with open arms, and that was made a house. Being like at 30 now, you know, um, like I still kind of feel like that just happened some days. Like, oh, my God, that just happened. That's still fresh, you know. And I know that I have resources and I know that I have Dana Royal Patterson. I know that I have Martha. I know that I have resources now, you know, to be able to cope and deal with things that, I feel like I have dealt with alone for so many years. You know, I was a real closed-in person where I didn't tell anyone nothing, and I remember um, going to Maida House. It was through Maida House how I got introduced to Martha Luff and Dana Royal Patterson, and I'm grateful that I took those steps to um, to surrender and say, "Hey, I didn't want to do. I don't want to do this." I was a third. I was a 14 year old 14 year old girl, but I was the top. I was an A student. Had no friends. I was a nerd, and I dressed really ugly because I we didn't I didn't have much. I was wearing my older sister clothes, so everything that I had on, I I still I have a picture. I have a picture that's hanging up in my house that my auntie gave me that she took. She snapped the picture of me one day while I was at her house, and all the clothes that I wore was always so big. Because I never had, like, clothes where I, my mom took me shopping and bought me new clothes. So I always had clothes that were, like, really big on me. You could me. grow into So I had, like, and, really yeah. low self-esteem. I was a skinny black girl, nappy head, low self-esteem, who was looking for a way out. And I found the way out through a guy that I had trusted and I had known for eight months. He had never done anything to make me feel uncomfortable And I took that ride to Chicago to hang out with some friends, and we decided to stay all night, and I never made it back home, you know. And so learning how to trust and all that stuff again, it came slowly. Um, Do you think you've, yeah, do you think you've gotten there? (laughs) I'm still kind of like, uh, I think it's like when someone new comes into my life, I'm like, I don't know, you know, um, but I, I, but like, 
like when I'm places and I don't know nothing or if I don't know people and I don't trust people, I usually ask Ms. Love and, and Dana, I'd be like, I'll be like, can you give me the rundown on this person? You know, and they'll tell me, like, honestly, you know, about that person because I was traumatized. Like, you know, like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just want to be successful. I just want to be the best me. Um, I just want to be able to be um, effective in people's lives. I want great relationships. Um, I want loving and caring people around me who love me genuinely, who love me as I am, um, who knows all the stuff that I've been through and still never judges me. Um, those are the people that I'm surrounded with today. To hear the rest of our conversation with Dana World Patterson and Laura Johnson, be sure to listen to episode two. In the blog, we also link to a variety of resources you can use to learn more about and impact the issue of human trafficking. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Rebecca Shimke, Melissa Hannon, Brian McCaig, and John Waldbauer. A special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction. To learn more about United Way, visit our website, unitedwaygmwc.org.